Well, welcome back to another edition of the Post-Sermon Wrap-Up Podcast. I am Pastor Scott. And this is Pastor Kevin. We are here to break down this past Sunday's sermon on spirit-controlled husbands from Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, wrapping up here, Ephesians 5, and really this first section of uh, spirit-controlled relationships. So just a reminder of this section here, we're kind of looking at how uh, God's saving work in our lives and the spirits indwelling in us changes the way that we relate to one another. So we have wives and husbands, we have children and uh, their their parents coming this next week, and then we talk about slaves and their masters the following week. So this wraps up that first unit of uh, of husbands and wives here. So uh, Kevin, thank you for your your treatment of it this past Sunday. Um, you know, you you began this sermon with not so much about husbands as you did just men in general, right? Right, So the foundation really for understanding what a spirit-controlled husband looks like actually begins with understanding what a spirit-controlled man is, right? So this isn't just applied to to husbands. This applies to the the young guy in the church, the single guy, even maybe the, the guy who has been married before, has lost a spouse, so help us understand a little bit better um, your your understanding of what biblical masculinity is, because I'm sure that that was maybe a little bit countercultural to a yeah. lot of our our yeah. people and their their mindset. We know there's probably two extremes that we think of in the masculinity world these days: the the strong man and the weak man. Right. So maybe yeah. maybe speak to those and the, and then correct our understanding. The pig of what the Bible and the buffoon. Is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, um, and before I answer that, I just, I think it is so important for us. I just want to take a minute, talk to our young single men, because don't ever think that marriage changes who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you desire to be a godly husband someday, you need to be focused on being a godly man today. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so often we all do this where we think, well, you know, if I can just get married, then I'll be a loving man. Or if if, uh, if I can just get married, then I'll overcome lust, you mm-hmm. know. Or if I can just get that leadership position, well, then I'll be respectable in my character or what, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. And we kind of mortgage our present for the sake of some future. And we mm-hmm. think that some future circumstance is going to change. No, 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 no. The scripture is calling us, mm-hmm. be a man of integrity today because a biblical man makes for a great biblical husband. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Biblical manhood. We went to a surprising place, Mm -hmm. I I think, to talk about biblical manhood, Proverbs 31. Mm -hmm. But biblical manhood is just uh, a a character of self-discipline that is focused on compassion and advocacy Mm -hmm. for others Mm -hmm. out of love. Mm -hmm. The way we defined it was biblical manhood is controlling myself in order to care for others out of love. Mm-hmm. A manly man mm-hmm. <laughs> is a man who controls his own passions mm-hmm. for the sake of caring for others out of love. That's the manly man. That's, that's Christ-likeness. I was saying, that's, yeah, you, you said it right there. It's the picture of Christ you see in the Gospels, right? Yeah. This is, this is exactly who Jesus was in his life and ministry, right? You got the you know high and mighty... God, and yet he is, as he says in Matthew chapter 11, he is also gentle and lowly. Gentle and lowly. He's a servant to all. Mm -hmm. He's strong as a lion, Mm -hmm. but he's gentle. He's Mm -hmm. gentle. 
and he's caring and he's compassionate and he's mm-hmm. he's he's touching lepers right mm-hmm. like i mean this is this is amazing manliness mm-hmm. and so i think we just got to get rid you know the the curse of sin takes mm-hmm. men and wants to power up and make mm-hmm. us controllers mm-hmm. and that's just that's not at all the heart of christ mm-hmm. not yeah. not the heart of manliness mm-hmm. yeah so that's really a, a helpful foundation, I think, for this, just as we think about what what is it that, you know, guys in our church should be striving to, to be like. I, we always say Christ-likeness, right? But what that actually means and what that looks like, because you're hearing in a culture right now where it looks two very different ways, right? It's, you know, either it's the ultra-masculinity thing, right? You gotta have, you know, this, you know, strength, you got beards, you gotta, you know, like, work out, just all these, you know, really manly things, and then also the other side that's really trying to fight against masculinity, where it's like, oh, no, like, you know, you can, it almost becomes more effeminate, it's uh, extremely passive, and so, um, and it's not that we're just trying to hit a middle line, we're hitting, trying to hit the biblical line, right? That's so right. We don't we don't try to gauge this based on culture. We gauge this uh, gauge this based on. Don't be conformed so. to the world, but mm-hmm. be transformed by the renewing of your mind, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. So, yeah. So one of the uh, the things that you you talked about in the sermon, um, you know, very helpful. Uh, obviously, the main command of husbands is to uh, love their wives as Christ loved the church. Um, Christ's act of uh, of loving his church, his uh, his redeemed people, uh, includes this idea of him sanctifying uh, sanctifying her. Um, so one of the things we you mentioned on Sunday was that really the sanctifying work, uh, or the the purifying work within a, a marriage is not necessarily the primary responsibility of the husband. In other words, the husband is not the uh, the primary sanctifier. He's not the Holy Spirit, right? He's not the high priest um, of the home. He, right. Exactly. Yeah. So th- that's that may be, that might be a new uh, thought to many of our people. So maybe flush it out again and then maybe respond to uh, the person who would say, well, this, this seems to fight against maybe what something like 1 Corinthians uh, chapter seven, verse fourteen might say about the husband sanctifying his yeah. wife. So, like, oh, I got feels like story. these are two contrary. Yeah, yeah I got to tell you a story. Ideas. So, I got done preaching, mm-hmm. and a dear sister in our church who I love very, very much proved herself to be a Brian. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean by a Brian? That's yep. that comes from Acts seventeen, Testing verse the eleven. Yep. Mm-hmm. These these people examine the scriptures daily to see whether the things mm-hmm. that they were taught were actually in the text. And she comes racing up to me after the sermon, and she's so joyful. But she says, "I got a question. I, I you taught in." the sermon that uh, husbands are not to are not able to make their wives holy mm-hmm. which I did teach that mm-hmm. that's correct mm-hmm. and and she says but but what about 1 Corinthians 7:14 so mm-hmm. let's go to 1 Corinthians 7. and by the way I love it I love it when people mm-hmm. are listening critically and bringing the scriptures to bear and being good Brians, according to Acts seventeen eleven. So, First Corinthians, can you read it for me? Do you have it there? Absolutely. 7, First 14? Corinthians seven fourteen. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. But as it is, they are holy. Aha! Caught you, preacher. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the the, un, the believing wah, spouse wah, wah. just made the other spouse holy. In mm-hmm. fact, they made their children holy. So look. 
We can sanctify each other. Okay, let's talk about the context. What's going on in 1 Corinthians chapter 7? 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is speaking to uh, believers who are married to unbelievers mm -hmm. who are being tempted to divorce mm -hmm. their uh, unbelieving spouse because, well, now that I'm saved, my unbelieving spouse is corrupting me. Mm -hmm. My unbelieving children are corrupting me. They're making it harder for me to love Jesus. Mm -hmm. I think it'd be better for me if I divorced, got mm -hmm. out of this relationship, mm -hmm. and and maybe this relationship isn't even legitimate in God's eyes anymore because mm -hmm. now that I'm a believer, I've come mm -hmm. to faith in Christ, God no longer honors this marriage. And Paul is writing to correct that and say, no, 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 no. Christian, you stay in that marriage. Now, if your mm -hmm. unbelieving spouse divorces you because of your faith in Christ, let him go. Mm -hmm. That's what you the scripture can't says there. let yeah. him go. Mm -hmm. But, but if your unbelieving spouse wants to continue to stay married to you, mm -hmm. your presence in that marriage mm -hmm. now brings the presence of holiness mm -hmm. into that marriage. Mm -hmm. So he's talking about the influence mm -hmm. of holiness. The, this is that salt and light. The salt, idea. yeah. That if if you weren't there in that marriage, that mm -hmm. marriage would have no holiness present. Mm -hmm. But you are there, and mm -hmm. because God is in you, Christ mm -hmm. is in you, yeah. you bring holiness to that marriage. Mm -hmm. If you if if you weren't in that marriage any longer, your children would have no witness. I mean, how often have we heard people say, who grew up in unbelieving homes, mm -hmm. but my grandma was the only person in my family who mm -hmm. was a Christian and. My grandma influenced me in such a way that today I can credit my grandma's witness for my mm -hmm. salvation <laughs> because she, now did she make me holy? Did she justify me? Did she sanctify me? Did mm -hmm. she, she, did she, no, no, mm -hmm. no, but she influenced me, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the picture of 1 Corinthians seven fourteen. It is to say the fact that one person in the marriage now becomes a believer doesn't delegitimize De, what's the word? Delegitimize. Yeah. Legitimatize. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't uh, add, uh, it doesn't ruin the credibility of that marriage. <laughs> Say it a different way, Souter. But That's it good. does, it's still a legitimate marriage. It's still something that God says, this is a good marriage in mm -hmm. my eyes, and I have a holy purpose for this marriage. I have a, uh, this marriage is still consecrated mm -hmm. because you are there, mm -hmm. believer. So, Come back now to what mm -hmm. I taught in the message. I think some, whenever husbands see themselves as having the ability to sanctify, mm -hmm. having the ability to cleanse the wife, mm -hmm. or have the ability to, to, to uh, present the wife without spot or wrinkle, I think whenever the husbands in a marriage take the posture of the high priest of the home, it fuels sin's curse of being a ruler Mm -hmm. instead of being a lover mm -hmm. because what it is we are taking responsibility for outcomes mm -hmm. yeah and and this is the challenge of every parent this is the challenge of every husband this is the challenge of every pastor this is the challenge of every leader mm -hmm. that lead spiritual leadership cannot be outcome based mm -hmm. spiritual leadership is faithfulness based spiritual leadership is focused whether it's in the home whether it's in the church whether it's in the in, in you know in the community S leadership according to god's design is always mm -hmm. a servant mm -hmm. posture mm -hmm. and it's not based on outcomes mm -hmm. it's not a manufacturing process so no spouse is responsible for their other spouse's life mm -hmm. we're not responsible for their sins we're responsible for how we 
respond to mm-hmm. their sin. Mm-hmm. I think to set people free from this. I, I got this wrong when I first got married because I mm-hmm. thought, oh man, God's now holding me accountable for this woman and now if mm-hmm. Jody messes up, it's on me. And so, man, I was controlling and fearful and mm-hmm. very domineering and very rule-oriented, very mm-hmm. very wrong, very mm-hmm. wrong in my approach to that relationship. And I think I did that in some ways because of my own sin, my own fears, my own idolatry, mm-hmm. but also because of this cultural mm. uh, thinking in the church that, well, somehow I now became her yeah. spiritual provision mm-hmm. and provider. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Christ yeah. is her priest. Christ yeah. is her provider. Christ will sanctify so this her. So this is a really helpful thing. So let's let's run with this for a moment because... I know years ago, a book that had a high influence on me when I was in college uh, by an author that we would all respect theologically very much in line with on a lot of of things, right? And so title of it was, you know, what he must be if he wants to marry my daughter. And the, okay. the four the four P's that he talks about in that are the provider, the protector, the priest, and the prophet, right? Okay. So this idea that he must be a provider. In other words, he's, you know, financially, he's going to be able to provide the things that the, the his daughter needs to, mm-hmm. if you, in that relationship, the protector, right? He's going to be there to uh, guard, defend, to really, like, take ownership of, of her in that regard. Mm-hmm. The high priest idea here, right? Uh, interceding on her behalf, and the prophet—he's the one who is, you know, preaching, teaching, like the word to her. So, help us understand maybe what is helpful, but also unhelpful about a model yeah, like those, that. Like, those uh, models we... aren't bad, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, there's a lot of wisdom there. Mm-hmm. Frankly, in some ways, that's kind of categorizing what we taught a biblical man is, mm-hmm. you know, from Proverbs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's self-disciplined in his finances. Mm-hmm. He's self-disciplined in his time management. He's self-disciplined in, mm-hmm. in his worship, his own worship, and he cares for others, and he's seeking to love others mm-hmm. and give himself. So all those things are good. They're not, they're not unhelpful mm-hmm. unless it becomes... Because in many ways, prophet, priest, and king, and mm-hmm. all that—I mean, those are those are Christ; those are messianic words. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So it's not wrong at all to say a man should be like Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's that's actually right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but I think what's wrong is if we allow that then to say, so now somehow I'm responsible for what Jesus is actually responsible for. Mm-hmm. And so yes, be Christ-like, mm-hmm. but understand you're not Jesus. Mm-hmm. Nor does God call you mm-hmm. to be Jesus. God doesn't call you to take his place. Your wife has Mm -hmm. a Lord and a savior and a prophet and a priest and a king already. Now you just encourage her and love her to rely on him and to Mm -hmm. submit to him and encourage, you know, you just, you're all, you're influencing her to depend upon Christ, not Mm -hmm. depend on you. That's helpful. That's great. Yeah. So as we think about, uh, kind of the the summary of everything here at the end of this uh this sermon and really this passage here right verses 32 and 33 this mystery is profound and i'm saying that it refers to christ (laughs) and the church however let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband so this is kind of that the big summary statement that paul puts at the end here he kind of comes back to the wives as well kind of ties it up with a neat bow here so help us understand kind of this this God-honoring design of marriage that um, he's put together here, this reflection of Christ and his church. Um, I know we had to... How much time do we have? I know, right? This, I know is, we, this is awesome. I know this we rushed so uh, cool. a little bit at the end of the sermon, so this let's, is take, so cool. let's take five minutes, okay. five minutes to talk about well, this. Okay, I want to talk about verse 32. Okay. This mystery, 
remember, when, when Paul uses the word mystery, he's not talking about something that we have to discover mm -hmm. that was hidden from our view that, oh, we found a secret. No, he's mm -hmm. not. That, he's talking about something that was previously unknown mm -hmm. that's now been revealed. It's been disclosed. Right. Yeah. So mm -hmm. God's the one that's revealed it. And what he's saying is what was previously unknown mm -hmm. but now is made mm -hmm. evident is that the whole purpose for marital oneness a, a, a husband and a wife to be joined in heaven by God into one mm -hmm. flesh. The whole purpose of the of God-given oneness of marriage is to picture Christ's oneness with forgiven sinners. Mm -hmm. It's to picture the gospel. It's to picture Christ's oneness with his church. Mm -hmm. And he says this mystery is great. Mm -hmm. It's translated profound mm -hmm. because it is really profound. Think deep water. It, this is deep theological water. If I get too deep, pull me <laughs> up here. But I hope something here mm -hmm. of my joy will overflow into the listener's heart. Think about this. What makes the mystery of marriage so great? Mm -hmm. what, what, what makes this great? Well, for, first of all, think about this. No person ever came into the world apart from the oneness of their mom and dad. Mm -hmm. The reproduction, mm -hmm. God has designed reproductive to happen within marriage. Now we understand that people can be born into this world apart from marriage, mm -hmm. but people cannot be born into this world apart from a physical oneness mm -hmm. between a man and a woman. Mm -hmm. And God designed even the physical expression of the marriage bed of sex. He designed that to be a picture mm -hmm. in a glorious way of the intimacy between mm -hmm. Christ and his church by which all people are brought forth this is this is this is a profound thing mm -hmm. that the that even the even the the uh uh the existence of mm -hmm. every person mm -hmm. is tied back to, back to this yeah. mm -hmm. mystery what else is this why what else is this mysterious because um a man and a woman are so different from each other, mm -hmm. you know, like all the way back to, you know, Adam, his word, his name, you know, Ish meant, meant in Hebrew meant dust, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, it's Adam, you know, Ad Adam, he's mm -hmm. dust, he's, 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 mm -hmm. he's dirt, you know, he's dirt back. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then when he names Eve, he mm -hmm. names her Isha, mm -hmm. which means softy, mm -hmm. softy. You know? mm -hmm. so, so you've got even this you know, man, like she's like, oh man, you're you're different, you're hard, you're 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 strong, and oh, you're you're soft, you're mm -hmm. you're different than me, and mm -hmm. yet you're from me, and so you have a man and a woman, they're very different, mm -hmm. and yet God says, you're not complete unless you're there with your spouse. Mm -hmm. Your spouse actually completes you in in mm -hmm. a God-designed way, so that we could literally say Adam wasn't all there unless mm -hmm. Eve was there because yeah. she was made from him. She wasn't mm -hmm. made from a bunch of other dust. Right. She was made of his rib. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this mystery of of completion. Mm -hmm. And and then this this idea that uh, that 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 it's all <laughs> gospel centered. You know, I just I love mm -hmm. that. That that this helps us better understand Jesus's love for us because we say, Oh Lord. You're my Lord. I'm going to follow you. And then so often we mm -hmm. we wander. So often we go our own way. Mm -hmm. Our lips are different than our talk, or, mm -hmm. or excuse me, are different than our walk. And 
and God still loves us and he still forgives us. And even while we are faithless, he remains faithful still. And in this process of showing us his love for his bride through Homer's and Gomer's relationship mm -hmm. in Hosea, right? Mm -hmm. Or is it Hosea and Gomer, uh, not Hosea. Homer? Where did Homer oh, come from? Homer Simpson? <laughs> that's a, that's a slip. Was, was, <laughs> Hosea, Hosea and Gomer. Gomer yeah, so, uh, you know, Hosea and Gomer's relationship shows us Christ's relationship with his people mm -hmm. in such a powerful way, even actually when Gomer's sinning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we forget that in our own marriage, that when my spouse is sinning, this is not an excuse for me to respond mm -hmm. with more evil. This is actually the gospel-centered opportunity to show how Jesus responds to sin in the context of covenant faithful love. Mm -hmm. And so I just think this is a profound, profound revelation mm -hmm. that God has given to us. That he says, listen, uh, God didn't uh, decide to send Jesus into the world mm -hmm. to save sinners and say, boy, I wonder what kind of analogy I can use. Let me look around. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's, it's not going to be the animal kingdom. No, Let, let's, let's use marriage. Mm -hmm. No, that's not mm -hmm. how this happened. God created marriage in Genesis chapter 2 mm -hmm. with the church already on his mind. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the, the church mm -hmm. and Christ were the pattern. Yeah, it was an And marriage, he's like, I'm going to create marriage for this purpose. Mm -hmm. So marriage is not about us. Mm -hmm. let's, let's, let's not shrink marriage to be me-sized. Marriage is grand. Mm -hmm. It is glorious. It is a picture of Christ and the church. That's why we celebrate weddings. I'm seeing a, I'm seeing a trend today, Scott. Mm -hmm. This is off the topic, but I'm seeing yeah. a trend where uh, Christian, godly, godly Christian people are saying, you know what? We're just going to have a really small, intimate family gathering and not do a big wedding. Mm-hmm. And believe me, there's a lot of that that I understand. I am not a big event guy. I'm not a guy who wants to spend a whole bunch of money for four hours. You know, I get all that. You're not a dancer? <laughs> I'm not a dancer. <laughs> I, I got one move, and I'm not going to show it to you. <laughs> so, so, but yeah, I mean, but, but let's not, in all of our reaction against some of the cultural excess, mm -hmm. let's not forget Marriage is mm -hmm. something to be celebrated. Mm -hmm. This isn't just a piece of paper that legalizes the marriage bed. Mm -hmm. Marriage is about mm -hmm. the gospel. And I hope that that came through somehow in all that I just said there. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's it's so good. You know, the one of the cool things is, and this is, I mean, providential in many ways, but our uh, kids' curriculum just circled back around, and now they're in Genesis here in the early chapters. And so, oh, really? Okay, uh, good. So much of what their uh, their their chapter was on uh, this week was on uh, God's creation of woman from Adam, oh, really? From Adam. Oh, and neat. So I was just like, well, that's that's a it's one of my favorites. I know, right? So like, just its connection here to this passage is just, uh, I mean, that's. Only God could do something like that. So um, kudos to, to the children's ministry team for doing that. And if you're a parent and you haven't asked your kids about that yet, you know, do so. Connect it to Sunday sermon. Provide some really rich discussion there. So good. Um, I know for Zariah, I was asking her this week, you know, any takeaway she had. And the only thing she heard about was, uh, well, not the only thing, but one of the only things she heard about was waking up in the middle of the night to, to waking babies or whatever <laughs> that you mentioned. Because that's, you know, our life right now. So. Yeah. So she gave me a she gave me a glance in the middle of the service on that one. So. 
Yeah, you know, it's so easy for us to to think that we would be like Cyrus's general and say mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna you know lay down our life for our wife anytime mm-hmm. a bad guy breaks into our home or whatever, and then you know it's like but. Yeah, I'm not gonna watch wash the dishes, or I'm I'm mm-hmm. not gonna uh, you know go rake the leaves. I'm not gonna clean the gutters. I mean, I there's a football game on. I want to watch mm-hmm. that, you know. Yeah. And so our selfishness is just so strong, and this is why we just got to keep bringing it back. This is supernatural love. Yeah. This is spirit controlled love. This is this is the work of God's spirit in His redeemed. This is the marvelous act of grace mm-hmm. <laughs> in sinners like us that we no longer have to serve sin anymore. We no longer have to live for ourselves. Mm-hmm. But we can live for glory and for joy. Well, amen. We are thankful, church. It's been fun to to process this with you a little bit more this uh, this morning. We're excited to get into the next section. We're into the final chapter of Ephesians starting this Sunday. Yes. Uh, Pastor Josh Gerber is going to be te- teaching us on spirit-controlled families, the relationship of children to their parents. So we're really excited for that, excited to learn from Pastor Josh. And, uh, it's going to be good. Yeah. So we will look forward to seeing you on Sunday, and uh, we will join you again here next week to talk through that passage together. Thanks, church. God bless you, church.